Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first few minutes of a private conversation between one of England's monarchs and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is September 1174. The Great Revolt is over. Henry knows that it won't be long before it kicks off again, so he decides to apply for another job. Just in case this King Lark doesn't work out. I've marked a few things in the paper for him as well, just in case this doesn't go well. Hello, uh, come in. Do take a seat. Are you all right? It's, it's nothing. I got kicked in the side by a horse. Something's broken. It's taking too long to heal. I'm very sorry to hear that. Uh, it must be difficult to get about. I, I should say I'm rarely out of the saddle and I ride at a legendary speed. I, I work those beasts hard. Perhaps that's why it kicked you. Well, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, my name's Dr. David French, and I'm the Dean here at University of Canterbury. I'm going to be conducting your interview today. Thank you for inviting me. You're applying for the role of Governance and Law Lecturer here. Yes, that's right. And you're currently working as... King of England, Duke of Normandy and Aquitaine, Count of Anjou, Maine and Nantes, and Lord of Ireland. Right. King of England and not King of the English. This is very important. Yes, I'll just mention up front that you might be a bit overqualified. <laughs> I get that a lot. I guess that leads us nicely into my first question. Uh, why are you applying for this role? Well, I'm looking for a job that will give me more free time, less stress, colleagues that aren't backstabbing family members, that kind of thing. But sure. Uh, what appeals about this job specifically? Good governance and law reform are my great passions in life. It was either this or become a falconry expert. I see. Uh, And what skills can you offer us? I'm very good at languages. I'm fluent in Latin and French, and I know a little English. I can order a meal, read a letter, ask for directions to the nearest siege, that sort of level. Excellent. We have lots of international students, so uh, that would help. Although I'm not sure what I'd do with the Latin. I'm very adept at change management, too, bringing people on the journey with me. They don't call me Henry the Peacemaker for nothing. Oh, really? Uh, What's your strategy? I don't like taking things by force. If I can be given what I want freely by the other party, that's true success. Can you give me an example? Instead of burning the crops on someone's land, I issued a charter guaranteeing the land and its legal rights to the owner. I see. So you increased its value instead of devaluing it, and avoided committing arson, which is always preferable. Exactly. Most people are greedy and want advancement or more money. If I can provide that, then they're more likely to pledge allegiance. When diplomacy fails, use military force. But only when it fails. So diplomacy, appeal to their greed, military force, in that order. Also, keep asking people their opinion even if you never do anything with it. I do it all the time. Hmm. Do you have any formal qualifications? Not really, but I was surrounded by scholars and books from a young age, and my tutor was William of Conk, a very intelligent man. I'll take your word for it. 
I also spent 15 months in Bristol studying under the astronomer, mathematician, and philosopher Adelaar of Bath. I'm passionate about learning. I run my household like a school. You give detentions if people do something wrong? Now, that's a very good idea. Uh, no, I, I, like, I like to hold discussions on difficult problems, debating and devising solutions. That's how an ideal seminar runs here, although the 18-year-olds struggle with that at first. They aren't used to debating and questioning. I've studied and practiced governance since I was 17 when I got my first duchy. Did you know at that point that you wanted to do it as a career? I can pin it down to a specific point in my life. I had just invaded England, and I went into the first chapel I could find. I'd have been looking for a toilet and a coffee. The priest was reading from the lesson on the Epiphany, and just as I walked in, he said, Behold the Lord our governor and the kingdom in his hand. And I just thought, well, that's what I need to do. That's my destiny. You had an Epiphany on the Epiphany? Yes. Or it might have been coincidence. Let's talk about some practical experience you've had with governance or the law then, Henry. I'm sure you've got some great examples to share. Very soon after I became king, I had to restore order after the civil unrest. This was the unrest under King Stephen? Yes. People had used the uncertainty to build unlicensed castles here, there, and everywhere. I mean, forget about planning permission. So I ordered them to be destroyed. I think over a thousand went. A thousand castles? Yes, that's right. We'd be tripping all over them if it wasn't for me. I ordered the return of all the towns and lands that he'd granted away. Did you know, under his reign, royal revenue fell by two-thirds? Goodness, that's a lot. Indeed. I confiscated land and then gave grants of the same land back to the original owners. What did that achieve? Showed them who's boss. The power to give, but also the power to take. They were so grateful afterwards that I had them eating out of my hand. Very successful technique. I'd recommend it. Dismiss someone, then rehire them again. I'm not sure I can be bothered with all the paperwork, Henry. Well, perhaps not. Talking of paperwork, did you know I invented the chirograph? I don't know what that is. It's a legal document, usually an agreement of some kind. It's ripped in half. One half is kept by each party. Then you use the torn edges as proof that it's the same document. Very clever. You invented that, did you? No, can't remember his name, but he was very clever. Always happy to share the praise. So, we've talked about governance. Uh, what about the law? What kind of law are you interested in? Are you going to ask me about canon law? Because I'm not a fan of it. Civil and criminal law, that's my forte. I don't mind, Henry. Why don't you tell me what you think is relevant? English common law is my preference. Setting out in writing how the law should be administered and the decisions made from each court case. Yes, it's certainly a very good system. I've delegated powers to others so that the courts can be in session around the country without my physical presence. Speeds things up to no end. It means wider access. On your behalf, you mean? Yes, exactly. I can't be in two places at once, or 128 places on one particular day. Explains the legendary riding speed, though. I'm thinking about having five members of the Royal Council stay in Westminster permanently to hear legal cases full-time instead of following me around listening to appeals. Much more practical. Lower expenses claims, too. Hang on. Is that why all court action is initiated with an instruction on behalf of the monarch? The monarch versus the defendant? The writ, yes. Well, I never. That's all down to you, is it? 
Yes, that's right. That's extraordinary. I don't wish to excessively blow my own trumpet, but... Uh... I'm sure you've had a few trumpets blown during your career. Oh, no, no. I can't stand all that pomp and ceremony. I'd like to talk about Thomas Beckett. Oh, God. Don't drag him into this. I don't think he's going to be on your side. But I think it's something we really do need to unpick. We can't have that kind of thing happening here. Again. What do you want to know? Why did you appoint him Archbishop of Canterbury? One day he was ordained as a priest and the next day he was made Archbishop. I mean literally the next day. He wasn't even a priest or in holy orders before that. I thought he cared much more about the state than about the church. But he turned out to be more religious than I thought. So you wanted him to be your yes-man? I wanted him to help me reform the church law that treated those under it with some kind of special dispensation if they did anything wrong. What do you mean? In the first nine years of my reign, more than 100 murders and a host of other crimes had been committed by clerks of the church and had gone unpunished. They just say, benefit of the clergy, and that's it. No real punishment. So, benefit of clergy was a get-out-of-jail-free card. Literally. Exactly. I created a program of reforms that would draw a clear line between the jurisdiction of the church and that of the state. It was called the Constitutions of Clarendon. Right. I said being stripped of holy orders wasn't punishment enough. In fact, the punishment should be more than the average person, because they're supposed to have higher morals than the rest of us. But no, they wouldn't have it. Turkeys don't vote for Christmas, Henry. I know that now, thank you. You see, the trouble with Beckett is he couldn't negotiate. Didn't have it in him. He just excommunicated people if they didn't do what he wanted. Like a child. Whereas I am a skilled negotiator, by the way. And let me guess. He made decisions about things without involving you because he thought he had the authority to. Exactly. There's some story about a cloak. Ha! Huh. The two of us were riding one day. Beckett was wearing his usual fancy cape made out of pure gold or something. Subtle. There was this old beggar by the side of the road. I said to Beckett, wouldn't it be nice if someone passing gave him their cloak, hoping he'd take the hint. He said, yes, it would. And as your king, you have the power to make that happen. So I ripped the cloak off his back and gave it to the beggar. Oh, I bet he loved that. So... What did Beckett do after you suggested this program of reform? He finally agreed to all my points. That's great. So how did he end up dead? I accused him of embezzlement during his time as Chancellor. Obviously, he was tried on the royal court because of my change to the law. Ah, was he found guilty? He refused to hear the pronouncement and fled to France for five years. Even the French king got fed up with him, so I'm told. He came back to Canterbury, excommunicating everyone that had wronged him in some way. I was in France enjoying Christmas, having too much wine, as you do. Is that when you said, who will rid me of this turbulent priest? I never said that. Are you sure? Yes. What did you say? For God's sake, why won't he just shut up and bugger off? I said, what miserable drones and traitor have I nurtured and promoted in my household? who let their lord be treated with such shameful contempt by a low-born clerk. Hmm, so the same sort of thing, then? Some of my men took it upon themselves to try and arrest Beckett, but he resisted and was 
died. You mean murdered? The Pope was furious, refused to speak to any Englishman for a week after he heard about Beckett's death. What did you do? I went to Ireland to escape the controversy. I was there six months and came back when everything had blown over. Look, I paid my penance. I've knelt in prayer in front of his tomb for hours on end, and I don't have great knees as it is. I fasted until I fainted. I've set up countless charities in his name. I mean, what more can I do? I think for the purposes of this interview, we don't need to dwell on it any more. Huzzah! Last few questions. What's your biggest dislike? Betrayal. The pinterplay? No, actual betrayal. Oh, right, because I was sort of with you on that. Have you ever met my wife, Eleanor d'Aquitaine? No, I can't say that I have. She's under house arrest for treason. Ah. I wanted an intelligent woman to help create my legacy and provide me with heirs. And how did she repay me? By siding with her former husband, King Louis of France. Oh dear. She was caught riding to meet him wearing male clothing in disguise. You arrested her for wearing trousers. What would you like your legacy to be? A statue outside Parliament. Good luck with that. Right, I think that's all we need. We've had a lot of interest in this role, but we want to make sure we select the right person, so... If you want my advice, keep this vacancy open if you can't find the best person. Why? Because the underspend on the salary will keep your budget on track if you overspend later. Right. Uh, thank you, Henry. You're very welcome. Next time... It's Richard I and the awards judge. He gets my vote. The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this monarch, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History. 